maintenance generally over here is one or two shots a week. So you're only talking one or two milligram a week. That's how it's traditionally been run in the UK. Obviously, there's a lot more like nasal tanners now oh, rather yeah, than yeah. the injectable ones. The other thing, if you struggle with nausea, is shoving it in your ass. What? Instead, I've never heard that. Yeah, instead of injecting it sub-Q, shove it in the glute. Really? Um, and it will help offset some of the nausea. Air sickness tablets will remove the oh, nausea. Oh, wait, you meant, you meant a glute injection? Yes. That, I thought oh, you no, were... Not. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> I thought you were literally no. meaning like rectal right. administration. I was like, okay, well, this, is brand, this is brand new to me. <laughs> why did your brain go there? <laughs> well, you said shove it in your ass. As what else am injection. I supposed to think? What, 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 else, am I, what gonna... else am I supposed to think? Shove it in your ass, Dave. What do you Sorry, think that any, means? Any normal person <laughs> would suspect that that means an, a, a glute injection. Nobody would be thinking they were going to put it up there. You're like, you, here's here's the evolution. You're like, well, we were doing the shots, but now they have a nasal spray. If that doesn't work, you can shove it in your ass. <laughs> uh, you're just a sick, twisted individual, Scott. <laughs> What's up, guys? Welcome back to Drugs and Stuff with Dave Crossland. I'm Scott McNally. And if you're tuning in for the first time, this is like our 214th episode. Uh, but you're just meeting us now. Dave, you are an educator for the UK Police Department, the military, educator for just everybody around the world about PEDs, as well as an expert witness in the court system. Uh, and we are going to answer your questions relating to bodybuilding, steroids, and stuff now that dave's gotten us banned from youtube welcome to rumble so that means uncensored i don't have to behave don't so, hold, listen don't try don't get too used to it my hope is that we are reinstated that said for today for today you are allowed to cut loose a little little bit fuckity fuckity <laughs> cum flaps whoa now whoa now we got some support here, some F YouTubes. Anyway, uh, guys, we have a bunch of stuff in store for you today. I've got a fun listener question from our Facebook group for Think Big Bodybuilding Media. And um, we're going to talk a little bit, too, about the uh, the enhanced games. And uh, I do have a bunch of listener questions still. If anybody watching on the live stream wants to comment with questions, we'll do our best to tackle them. Um, and I should mention, too, all of our programming is brought to you by you, the people of Patreon. Thank you guys for your support. Uh, we do take all of our questions from Patreon. Those are our priority questions. Uh, you guys are really literally helping to make this thing happen now. We are brought to you by truenutrition.com. Use our code THINK for high-quality third-party tested supplements. Everybody needs protein powder, right? Go to True Nutrition. Use our code THINK. You'll support our programming, and you're going to get some top-quality protein. In the U.K., you can go to Strom Sports Nutrition. All sorts of great health stacks, performance stacks. They've got some good stuff over there. They support us. We support them. And you can get your lab work done in the UK by Dave. Go to evalbloodanalysis.com. He has locations all around the United Kingdom. He'd be happy to take your labs and give you some evaluations. Last but not least, we're brought to you by supplementsource.ca for our Canadians. Get all sorts of good supplements there on a discount. So anyways, let's get this thing rolling, Dave. We, we, I don't... Don't forget yeah. the Strom, Strom discount code. Richard Foster is a knob. Yes, use the discount code. Richard Foster is a knob. Or just put it in the details, like the added notes when you place your order. And they'll he'll get a good chuckle out of that. We guarantee it. 
Um, by the way, just so people know, I am not wearing any glasses. I cannot read any comments as anyone's put, you know. <laughs> what happened here? So Dave broke his glasses, guys. I and did. you were wearing your wife's glasses the other day. Yeah. Before that, you were wearing broken glasses. You were a mess. Where are your glasses? I, I get them tomorrow, I believe. Um, apparently, there was a delay with my lenses because they are like jam jar thick. Um, so apparently, I get them tomorrow. So, for real, I want to do a test here. How many fingers am I holding up right now? Oh, I can see your finger. It's just very fuzzy. How about now? Two. How about now? How about now? (laughs) For our audio listeners, you guys know what I just did. (laughs) Um, It's like Ryan Jones has just put, Dave, is it a... Dave, is it a batch cob roll or a barm cake it's a roll i don't know what that language just was they are all different regional names for bread rolls because they are rolls which is why they are called bread rolls yeah i i don't know about all of that um you don't we just call them rolls that's it it's just ignorant non-english speaking mugs from various areas of the UK that don't know where a bread roll is. All right, well, Unless listen. it's a tea cake. It could be a tea cake and it could be a current tea cake. No, they're, they're different. We had those little cakes that came on that no, platter no. when we did high tea. So is that what you're talking about? Is, no, so a roll is a roll. Yeah, it's about that about fist size. That's, that's a roll. Yeah? Okay, yeah. A tea cake is about that big. Oh, that's so a, it's about small plate size, and it's yeah. quite flat. So that that's a Yorkshire thing. And then you have a current tea cake, which is said item with currants in. Oh, okay. Anyway, let's talk some steroids. We had a question from James in the Facebook group, and I thought this one would be a fantastic one to start with. If you guys don't remember, Dave was part of two documentaries under construction, uh, one... <laughs> and Under Construction 2, where he put on just as much mass as he possibly could. It sounds like James, maybe it's James's wife was actually a fan. Because this is an interesting question to me. He says, what do you have 14 months to get as big as possible with conditioning not being a major concern, just keeping it under 20% body fat? He's starting at 10%. How would you originally plan to stay in a surplus. Now, here's the interesting thing. I've never heard of somebody getting married in this situation. His wife wants him to be as freaking massive as possible. He says, context, my fiance, fiance and I are thinking of getting married next September. And she said she wants me to be the biggest I can. Swear to God, he says that. Um, doesn't really care about my conditioning, but I can't picture uh, not hating myself above 20% body fat. Drugs are whatever I feel like using outside of trend because neither of us enjoy it when I'm on it. So when we first talk about this situation, Dave? Yeah, his wife thinks thinks he's a wimp. (laughs) (laughs) Poor James. Poor James. (laughs) We're messing with you, man. We're messing with you. Um, Well, I think so... We, we talk all the time, I'll be serious, we talk all the time about progressive overload. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, and a lot of people, and we say that progress is progressive overload is required for progress, or a lot of people believe progressive overload is progressive progress. Now, I just believe that progression is required for sustained growth. Absolutely. And that, that progression is both in training, so you need to be advancing in your training. It doesn't necessarily need you need more weight. Overload isn't necessarily about weight. It can be about stimulus. So it can be an increase in loading stress on the muscle due to rep tempo, due to form, due to engagement, or due to weight, or due to number of reps, or overall volume of sets. So there's loads of ways you can be progressive in your training. But that also applies to food. And I think this is where a lot of people screw up. Because if you truly want to grow, your food has to progress. Where a lot of people go, I've cut or I'm maintaining on 2,000, 2,500 calories, whatever it may be, whatever frigging number suits your physique. I'm going to bulk. I'm going up to 3,500. And it's like you will grow to both the stimulus, but also your weight will increase to your calorie intake. It's as simple as that. Sure. So if you've got 3,500 and you don't create enough stimulus to use that calorie intake for muscular growth, you'll get fat. But you're still sealing out at the cap of what 3,500 calories will deliver for you. And that's based on your metabolism, your body type, and your output. So diet needs to be progressive. Now, I'm a great believer in baby steps, but lots of them. So it's just a case of, and there's a very simple way of approaching it. Increase your calories. Three, four hundred. Yeah see where you are have you gained weight yes no okay yes i have right has your condition suffered no it hasn't right okay great leave it alone see what happens next week have you gained weight no has your condition suffered actually it's got a little bit better right let's up the food yeah and it's just that simple step-by-step process you know have i gained weight yes has condition suffered no okay let's see where we are until the weight gain stalls have I gained weight? Yes. Has conditions suffered? Yes. Right. Is it within the tolerances I'm willing to accept? Yes. Fine. No. Right. Okay. We have two choices. We hold food, we bring in some cardio, or we take a step back with food. And it can often be on the bulk. If you've been pushing increases for 16, 17, 18 weeks, you might get to a point where, you know what, I need to just drop back for a couple of weeks, get myself hungry again, and then push again. But um, it needs to progress. You're never going to be a 300-pound individual if you don't eat like a 300-pound individual. Incrementally. But but it has to be incrementally. If you go from a 180-pound individual and go, right, I'm now going to eat like a 300-pound individual, you're getting fat because you can't put muscle on that fast. Yeah. So you need to just step up your food as you develop. And the the best thing you can do pre any push is diet. And it's not because you want to create a leaner base, so it's an advantage. It's because you want your metabolism to be up and running and you want to be hungry for your next meals. And then you manage that metabolic uh, metabolic rate as you move forward with the food. But when you start pushing way beyond what is you, then you get to the point where 
there is no appetite. There is no hunger. It is literally just boom, boom, boom. Get yeah. it in and move on. And when you're pushing very high calories, you have to push clean. You cannot push dirty calories. And I think it's a mistake a lot of people make is they, they're eating to a certain extent and they're like, oh, I'm not gaining weight, so I'm going to throw some dirty shit in there. And it's just going to fuck your digestion system up. It's not going to help you get any bigger. It's just going to help you get fat. Yeah. So, so when you push food high, very high for yourself, you do need to keep it super clean. Um, and I think that's a mistake a lot of people make as well. There's chemicals you can throw in to help with appetite. And there are other things you can do to help with appetite, like a bit of cardio. Cardio will generally, the offset of calories burnt against appetite increase is usually in the benefit of appetite increase when you add cardio into um, a bulk. But, um, yeah, you, uh, you need to be progressive. And if you're going to a weight or a size that you've never been before, then you're going to be eating more than you've ever eaten before. I would agree with you on, on all counts. The only thing I will add is that, it, and it's, it's really just to expand on what you're saying, is that everybody everybody's ability to grow is going to be different. Mm-hmm. That, you know, I, I, I think that some of the mistakes I've seen have been related to listening to elite level uh, athletes. You know, I, I look at like Ron Partlow is a guy who he, now I'm not taking anything away from Ron because Ron worked for like decades to build his physique and he did push up to over 330 pounds, still being able to see his app, you know, outline of his abs a little bit, I think. I mean, he was, he was a, he was a bodybuilder competitive, competing, you know, in the, the high two hundreds. So, um, you know, here's here's the thing, though, that not every and, and there was a point that Ron was just pounding the food. He was eating so much food that his his non-training days were even higher because the volume was so high that he couldn't even train. His stomach was so full. Now, mm. that worked for Ron, but that's not going to necessarily work for you. And that's why I think that that incremental approach is where to start. I remember it's so funny. I, I, I think back to like the very early 2000s, doing my first contest prep and being hungry and thinking to myself what a perfect off-season diet would look like. And I remember writing it out too. And I was like, okay, I'm going to eat two cups of rice before I train and two cups of rice after. And then I'll eat two cups of rice in that next meal. And then I'll drink this shake with, you know, 150 carbs. And and then I wrote it down and, and I had a friend who was helping coach me at the gym for the show. And I, I brought it to him and I was like, Rick what do you think about this for an off season? You know, cause I'm just thinking like, where can I squeeze all this food in? But the reality is it starts with the contest diet plus 200 100%. carbs. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like, that's yeah. all it, that's all it was going to take. And, and all you need to do is focus on making the progress. Like you said, Dave, incrementally week to week. I can tell you for a lot of the guys I work with, with average genetics, um, we shoot for like a pound per week on the scale. I know that if I can get a pound per week on the scale and we can repeat that week after week after week, hey, we do that for a year, you're 52 pounds heavier. You know, it's probably not gonna last for a whole year, but if we can get you up at that rate, we know that you're not gaining a pound of muscle every single week of the year. But if we are at a point where you're gaining that pound and composition is still looking all right, we know that you're not eating so high above maintenance that you're gaining a ton of fat in the process. 
So, well, that, that's where pitches, yeah, that's where pitches come in. Yeah, uh, if you try and go from a low input to a high input, you'll eat loads at first, and you'll be like, "I'm filling out, I'm vascular, I'm full." I guarantee you, six, seven weeks in, you'll be a fat mess with no appetite. Yeah, I think we talked okay. a little bit about um, NPP. Uh, a few weeks ago. I, I can't remember now. And if I wanted to, I couldn't go back and look at YouTube to see our previous episodes. We can, of course, still go to audio. Audio people have been untouched by this whole thing. And as I mentioned earlier, hopefully we do get this sorted out. Uh, I did have um, a handful of questions, though. One of them being, what's the highest dose of NPP that you've heard of anyone use? This guy says that he's currently pushing 700 milligrams and he is using, I believe he said 600 test and 600 EQ. Uh, yeah, that's I've two to 300, three times a week is, is the, the thing is with MPP, I think when you start getting above sort of 200 milligrams every other day, yeah, you've got to start realistically start thinking, well, am I better putting a baseline of Decker in? And if I still want that fast acting edge, then just add the MPP on top. And I have found that, for some reason, a very good synergy, but I don't know why. I, I can't tell you why, hmm. but I found that um, when you start getting to sort of 200 milligrams of MPP every other day levels, you're creating such a sustained baseline of, of Nandrolo that the fast-acting element of the MPP on that lower level of Nandrolone doesn't doesn't really come into play. So you could quite literally replace that with 400 mega te- uh, of DECA hmm. and then 100 mega of MPP on top. Because your peaks and troughs of the Nandrolone are never going to drop below what that yeah. 400 mega DECA baseline is going to give you. Yeah. So you're still going to get this fluctuation with the MPP, but you're still going to have this sustained baseline and therefore you're not having to inject such a high volume of MPP every other day. But yeah, I found real nice progress with a, with a Decker baseline and MPP laid on top. But um, I've, I've, I've done some high doses of MPP, um, 300 plus every 300, other day. 300 every other day. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a that's a lot of NPP. I'm just thinking that's a lot of oil to be putting in every other day. Exactly. So which is why I drop back to a baseline of a gram a decker and then some NPP on top of a much lower dose. Yeah, I found that. I, so just in in my mindset, I prefer to use uh, longer acting compounds as my foundation, and mm-hmm. then from there we can get more dynamic with a faster acting compound. Be it. Maybe it's a it maybe let's say it's a sixteen week cycle. Uh, the first eight weeks, it, well, excuse me, sixteen week cycle with uh, test and EQ. First eight weeks NPP. Then maybe we switch to something else for that second eight, the last eight weeks or the you know, last six weeks, something like that, allowing us to get you know something different out of it. Sometimes I think it might even be at times um, a mental uh, boost. When you, you know, you notice different effects from different compounds, I think there is something to be said about like, oh, now the whatever, the the Anadrol, you know what I mean? I feel that Anavar and it gives you that mental stimulus that's like, yeah, now I'm working hard. I've got this thing in my system because you've talked about this before. When you get into a longer cycle, I do think that you can start to have some complacency at, Mm -hmm. you know, say 
12, 16 weeks in where you're not quite as excited and motivated to make the progress you were at week three when you're like, yeah, now I know all the compounds are built up. So maybe it's just a mental thing. I don't know. But I've, I've had good success with using those short acting compounds in a more dynamic fashion while using the long acting compounds that just run all the way through. I like ascending cycles. I, I like to peak a dose or I like to go into a peak dose at about week six or week eight. Okay. And then run out the last four, six weeks high. Um, so the, the overall, the, the first three weeks are mild, second three weeks are mid, and then the last six weeks are high. Um, in, in concern to, you know, overall. So the average is, is if someone was saying going to run a total dose of 1.5 grams. Yeah. I would probably go first few weeks, five to 600 milligrams total. Next three weeks, at say 12, 1100 total. But the last six weeks, I'd go above the 1.5. So I'd go 16, 1700 total. Okay. I mean, so I'm slightly higher at the back end, but there's this this average exposure is is probably actually slightly lower, and I find that nets greater gains than the 1.5 throughout. Straight through, yeah. I would agree. There is something to be said about building the cycle as you go. The last thing, and especially in something like a contest prep, um, mm -hmm. I the way I see it is, you know, because I've had guys that come to me that want to do a contest prep and maybe we're 24 weeks out and they say, OK, yeah, I already started. I started this, this and this. I want to work with you for the show in 24 weeks. And my first thought is, OK, so you're already on all of these things right now. We what kind of room do we have to go up yeah. by the time we, we get the show? You know, yeah. Where do we go? Yeah, I mean, I've I've loads of times people have come to me said I want to start coaching off season. I've already started the cycle. I'm like, well, yeah, you're already going to be stopping that cycle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's drop back to a cruise. We want to do some work before we start bagging gear in there. Yeah. All right. How about this one? Um, what are your thoughts? I'm claiming that all AAS are equal, like Tren is the same as Primo, etc. I don't know if that's been taken out of context. I, I don't know where this like has originally come from, but I, I have to think though that that original, the original thought, isn't trying to say that like if you take Tren, you're it's going to be the exact same no, thing as taking I, Primo, I, right? That's I not believe, where I believe it was actually, but I might be wrong on that. I'll okay. tell you off air. Okay. Um, I believe it was, but um, I think it was driven by something to do with protein metabolism or regulation of protein metabolism. That um, all anabolics are going to more or less have the same yeah. amount of like assimilation of protein. The, the thing is, the, the, the way anabolics cause muscle growth is not just based around protein assimilation and it's not just based around AR engagement. There is evidence, um, in fact there's quite a bit now, that the binding affinity of a drug has a huge impact on how successful it is at promoting muscular growth. And lo and behold, the daddy of them all is Tren. Has the highest binding affinity of all anabolics. We need Followed like a, we need like a Tren. You know, just some sort of like, actually, how about if we had like angels and every time we said turn on the show? 
Oh, well, it could be, or you could have soundtrack from Star Wars as Dark Vader walks in or something instead for Trent. <laughs> I think that'd be better. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that'd be much better for Trent. <laughs> we could probably do that on, on Rumble too. We do whatever the fuck we want. <laughs> Yeah, we're a rumble. <laughs> Fuck you. Um, <laughs> uh, I just saw that as the opening clip. That's all. <laughs> um, and then you've got your DHTs and so on and so, so forth. Yeah. Um, but so if you look at Binding Infinity, we've got Trend and we've got DHTs. Primo's a DHT. That's got to be super effective than a building muscle mass. I don't think there's anyone on the planet that's not run Primo that knows that uh, it's not the biggest of heavy hitters when it comes to growing muscle. Yeah. Nice compound, but it isn't what you'd call a sledgehammer of a growth drug. So if that's the case, then it's not just binding affinity. It's not just protein assimilation. It's not just binding affinity. You've also got to look at neurochemistry. You've got to look at, you know how does that combat affect you in an aggressive point of view? Are you training That's more what I was thinking. you're more aggressive? Yeah. You know, so there's all these factors. Trend affects the liver. Trend can affect the stomach. So is it affecting my digestion? If so, there's a counter off there where I'm not eating as well or I'm not digesting as well or my sleep shit on trend. Well, then I'm not recovering as well. So there's all these factors that play into the effectiveness of a drug. Um, milligram for milligram... I would say your nor-19s are top of the tree when it comes to growing muscle. If you take their anabolic action above anything else, uh, then I would say that the nor-19s are top of the tree when it comes to growing muscle as long as you can tolerate the negatives that comes with those drugs. There you go. That's a factor, isn't it? Yeah. Because I know plenty of people that can't deal with DECA the way. Like, you've always loved it, and I know people that are questioning bodybuilding uh, five weeks in. Yeah, exactly. Decker can make people incredibly depressed. Trend can make people incredibly paranoid and aggressive. You know, all these um, men can make you a big water baby. You know, all these things can, yeah. can play into into what's going on. So I, I don't subscribe to the all anabolics are equal in any way. And the other thing is, scientifically, if all anabolics were equal, then why the fuck did they make another one? I think they should make more. You know what I'm saying? But that, you know, my point is, if all anabolics are equal, then why do we have different anabolics? Because there would be no need for them. Yeah. Yeah. Anabolics have been developed to exaggerate or minimize certain properties from testosterone initially. Absolutely. You know, they were either to lower the impact of that drug on suppression or, or on other muscle tissue. So Primo being the most sophisticated anabolic that was ever developed uh, and its influence in other areas of the body was tuned down, for want of a better phrase. Yeah. Um, so, which is why it's so mild physically on us in most aspects, apart from lipids, uh, because those interactions, with, like, those interactions with the prostate and other areas of the body were tuned right down. And it was developed that way deliberately. So all these anabolics that we have are progressive in trying to create different effects or benefits from the base compounds. Um, 
and and so no, they're, they're not equal at all, not in the slightest. And and I'm I'm sorry, but I I will strongly disagree with anyone that says so. And we I have, have yet to see any evidence that supports that wholeheartedly. Just aspects of it. Where can I watch under construction? And is it free to watch? On your TV, and no, it's not. Pay for it, you tight git. <laughs> yeah, um, they were. They were uh, it's, it's a good. It's uh, two good documentary films. Um, I like the first one better. Yeah, I, like, I think the uh, first one. The second one was dark. It was darker. Very, you know, very it, was a, dark. it was a dark movie. <laughs> that's for sure. Um, they are available on underconstructionthefilm.com. All right. Because I'm All really right. good at original website names. Hey, what's up, guys? I have a lot of people who reach out to me on a regular basis who are trying to more effectively reach their goals. One of the biggest mistakes I see people make is that they're not getting enough protein. And there's only so much chicken breast we can eat through the day, but we can easily add a high quality protein supplement to boost those numbers up. True Nutrition has just about every protein powder you can think of from high quality weight isolate. If you don't tolerate lactose, then you could use their beef isolate or you could use their pea protein isolate if you don't eat animal products. They literally have everything you'd think of. I've believed in them for like a decade before they advertised with us. And they they never went out of their way to say like, hey, we want to promote our stuff through you. I literally asked them because it's a company that I believe in. And at the end of the day, I want to see you guys reach your goals as effectively as possible. So if you use our code, think at true nutrition, you'll get some savings. You'll help to support our programming and you'll get some high quality products to more effectively reach your goals faster. How about this one? Um, hey, all uh, best melanotin protocol that uh, worked for you in that pop up. There we go. That worked for you. Uh, after the nickname Casper in powder, um, and I, I was told I can glow in the dark, I'm kind of realizing that I'm way overdue for some pigmentation. Two things, Dave. Number one, I remember when I came to England and visited you, I noticed there were a lot of people at the FedEx Fit Expo that had a, mm, a questionable tan. Definitely for some people, Melanotan does create a slightly off suspicious. color. There was some, yeah. I saw some sp suspicious tans uh, over there. Is it, I, I and I got the vibe that it might be more popular in the UK than it currently is here in the US. It's uh, very popular. Yeah, it's very, yeah. very, very popular. Um, dosing protocols, most people will run... Uh, Oh, I can't remember the dosings now. I can tell you what I would suggest, Dave, if you don't know. So years ago, if you guys, and I, I responded to this in the group too, if you if you go back in the old message board days, they talked about doing a loading phase. And mm -hmm. I, I would not suggest doing that. If you see anything that says a loading phase, I would disregard that. Uh, you, you can get like a nausea from it and kind of like a, a, a head rush feeling. It's not a comfortable feeling. And, and it can kind of make you feel just generally sick. So the lower dose you take, the less likely you obviously are to experience that. The loading protocol was taking like a milligram a day every day for 10 days, the first vial of 10 milligrams. And then from there, backing it off to like a maintenance phase of like a milligram, I can't remember what it was, every other day or four, three, four times a week. But what I found is just taking a, a tiny bit, like, 250 micrograms is where I would probably go. And I would just start with that every other day, maybe every day, and then tan a few times a week. And I would suggest to, the, the tanning does help. It's gonna accelerate it. And then from there, just be careful. And this this is the other thing I noticed is that 
I have seen this more than once. I experienced it myself. You start to lose sight of how dark you actually are. You see yourself in the mirror every day. You don't realize how dark you're getting and it's easy for us to overdo. So almost have like a buddy system where you have somebody in your life who's there to tell you when enough is enough. And when you get to that point, you can back down to like 250 micrograms a couple times a week. Play with it. Try to take as little as possible to maintain the level you want to be. But I would avoid the loading protocols if you see anything about that. And maybe 250 micrograms every other day. You could try it every day and, and slowly work up to where you want to be. If you start getting purple circles under your eyes, you know you went too far. Right. I, I remember it being a tenth of the vial. I couldn't remember what dose the vials uh, came in. They're usually the 10. They're usually yeah. 10. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people over here still do the dosing phase. I've always, when I used to run it, I always ran the dosing phase, but I used to just run it before I go on holiday. And quite simply because it stopped me from burning. And that was yeah. the only reason I really run it. I didn't really run it particularly for the, the coloration. I ran it more because it allowed me to get more sun exposure and not burn. Yeah. Um, the nausea, that is very person dependent. I think everyone gets the nausea, but I think a lot of people... Like personally, I would be third injection in and the nausea would go. I wouldn't get it anymore. Uh, my wife's particularly sensitive to it, so she runs more of a microdose setup. She still does a loading phase, but she does it in a microdose setup where she'll do like 250 MCG like twice a day or every, or every day, but for an extended period. Um maintenance generally over here is one or two shots a week so you're only talking one or two milligram a week that's how it's traditionally been run in the uk obviously there's a lot more like nasal tanners now oh rather yeah, than yeah. The injectable ones the other thing if you struggle with nausea is shoving it in your ass what instead i've of never heard that yeah instead of injecting it sub q shove it in the glute really? um and it will help offset some of the nausea Air sickness tablets will remove the oh, nausea. Oh, wait, you meant, you meant a glute injection? Yes. That, I thought oh, you no, were... No. <laughs> no, 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 no. I thought you were literally no. meaning like rectal right. administration. I was like, okay, well, this, is brand, this is brand new to me. <laughs> why did your brain go there? <laughs> well, you said shove it in your ass. As what else am injection. I supposed to think? Where, where what else am I, what gonna... else am I supposed to think? Shove it in your ass, Dave. What do you Sorry, think that any... means? Any normal person would suspect that that means an, a, a glute injection. Nobody would be thinking they were going to put it up there. You're like, you, here's here's the evolution. You're like, well, we were doing the shots, but now they have a nasal spray. If that doesn't work, you can shove it in your ass. <laughs> uh, you're just a sick, twisted individual, Scott. You weird, wonderful, strange man. I wonder uh, if they have... Uh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> But yeah, so I, right, a couple of wordy, words of warning. Um, don't shove it in your ass, first of all. Don't shove it in your ass. That's Scott's fantasy. <laughs> um, and and um, apparently Scott inquires about the rectal administration of a lot of compounds for some strange reason. I'm not Dave, I've sure been taking this melanotin for two weeks now. And I'm not seeing any change in my skin, but I can't sit down. <laughs> yeah, I'm, 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 shit, I'm shitting some real weird colors. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's not the most kidney-friendly. You're kidding me. Not, I wasn't aware no. of this. Yeah, so it's not so much <clears throat> that it damages kidneys, though I do believe there is some sort of real ropey data that says it's potential. 
Uh, but it's definitely not something that's tolerated with sub-functioning kidneys. <laughs> Derek. I can, I Derek. can vouch, vouch for that one. Derek says, shove it in your ass, Dave. And we wonder why the channel got removed. <laughs> Scott, it's fault. Scott messed up. No, but it, it's, uh, yeah, it can. I did experience some very negative kidney impacts from, from MT2. No kidding. Um, um, when I was on holiday one time and started peeing blood. And it oh was like, gosh. Eh, shit, shouldn't be taking this shit. And I did some digging and found out that it is it can actually be kidney negative, yeah. Yeah, I hadn't heard that uh, before. Mm. I did see, so aminoasylum.shop, use code THINK, I can say that now. Um, they have the nasal spray version in 10 milligram. I've never done that. And I, I, they do, of course, have the, the peptide version as well or the, you know, lipolyzed peptide version. I'll tell you what, too, Dave. Melanotin is such a simple peptide. It, it's not very complex and it is freaking resilient. I found a vial that I had reconstituted like... 18 months previous floating around my butter dish what is it with you and out of date drugs do you have a weird fetish about out of date drugs that you have to use no there was just a phase in my life where i was using a lot of gear all right and, and it was just kind of like there was like a trail left behind me you know you might find like i have a vial of trend on the ground after i left the gym maybe it just fell out of my pot no you know a couple tabs of d-ball in my uh my my cup holder in the car um but no, I was going through some old stuff and I was like, oh, I still have this. This is years ago now. And I was like, I wonder if the melanotin would still work. It's 18 months old. And I drew some up and took it. And guess what? Instantly got the flush. In fact, I think from that batch, I may still have another unopened vial. It would have to be like 2016, something like that. Do you think it would still be good? Right, children. So to all the kiddies watching this, if you have reconstituted melanotan 18 months ago, <laughs> do not inject it. The potential bacterial load is fucking massive. You're probably right about that, honestly. You probably are. But I'm just being honest, all right? I'm, I'm not going to pretend like I didn't do that. I think you're just cheap. You're too tight to throw it away. <laughs> well, it still worked, although I didn't. I didn't continue using it. But I do still think I have an unopened vial. Do you think it, it would still work? Yeah, I think a dry vial should should be fine. Um, I think it would too. It turns my beard black. So when I used to use it, I would have my lovely red growth. Yeah. And then I would have um, a, a line of black growth, and then I'd have my lovely red growth. So oh my god. Right. <laughs> hey, one other note too. You do have to watch for the skin pigmentation changes. Yes. It, it is possible to get more freckles. I will note that after I had used it for a period of time, it changed my skin. You know, I have a lot of uh, Irish blood, a lot of Eastern European, like Czech blood. Those people don't tan very well. So like you, I tend to turn really red. But after having dosed melanotin for a period of time, I think there were some epigenetic changes. Like, I will tan more easily now. Mm. Do you still notice I, a difference? Yes, I do believe that the, there is a, an increased tolerance. You've also got to remember that you are half lizard, Scott, so your skin has got scales as well. Where did that come from? They just think you look like a lizard person, personally. 
a lizard person. All yeah, right. so if aliens ever come to the planet and it's revealed that there are lizard people, he's been here for years. You do realize, Dave, that if I was a lizard person, they would probably not have canceled my YouTube channel because I would have been one of them. You get that, right? Yeah, but they've they've got to be seen to be being equal, haven't they? <laughs> all right, it's it's all like a reverse psychology ploy. We got a we got a labs question for you. How about this one? A question for the next show. Since starting PEDs, my alkaline phosphate are excuse me phosphates are low um, on every lab work since uh, for the past four years. Um, I'm not malnutrition. I eat like a bodybuilder who's bulking year round. I started doubling my zinc, uh, and a, a standalone zinc, um, along with what's in my multi. Um, is this normal territory? I can't say I've ever seen anabolics deliberately lower ALP levels. Um, but I mean, in general, anabolics of the injectable version are relatively benign when it comes to the liver uh we see some liver enlargement we see some increase in liver weight um and we can see some development of of benign cysts in there but we don't generally see any issues around liver function under the course of normal everyday sort of person anabolic use don't get me wrong you start hammering high levels of anabolics for extended periods of time in the oral approach and there's been a few cases of, of liver disease and, and liver cancer being attributed to that but they, they are very rare uh, and you're talking single digits you know worldwide annually so it's not a commonplace thing yeah i wouldn't be particularly concerned over alp being low um as particularly if you're symptom three I, I have seen a couple of really weird liver results of them being astronomically high. Um, I've seen this two or three times now in users, and they've undergone a great deal of investigation, and the, the medical report has come back just as unknown elevation, and it's settled down. Um, no idea what causes that. But in every case, the individuals reported that they felt very fit and healthy. And I mm. think that goes a long way because if your liver is having problems, you don't feel very fit and healthy. Yeah. Uh, all right. You know, I'll add too, I, I would watch the trend on that. You know what I mean? Is it is it consistent or is it continually getting worse? If it continue, you know, if every three months, say, I were to get my labs and my numbers were just climbing and climbing, I would definitely be concerned about that. If it's slightly changed and it consistently stays there, I wouldn't find that to be as much of a personal concern. I thought he said his numbers were low. Oh, excuse me. Decrease. Out of range. One way or the other. How about this? Uh, another question. This one is from Patreon. He says, if you add GH to your cycle, will the GH help to improve your lead numbers? This is from Jack. Thank you, Jack. Thank you for your no. support. That's what I said, too. In fact, it'll lower your T4 numbers. That's true. Maybe throw your blood sugar fasted blood glucose out of range. They could do that as well. And there is some argument around potential estrogen elevation as well. Really? Mm, I don't think it's dramatic. Uh, uh, I think your anabolics are going to be having 
I don't think you need to suddenly start thinking, oh, I need to run an AI because I'm running GH. Don't be going there, please. No, not at all. But I do think there is some mild influencing, yes. All right, another one from Patreon. Casey, he says, do you recommend creatine for AAS users considering that it has to be uh, extensively processed by the kidneys? My thought was that kidneys are already under enough stress from AAS and high blood pressure. Well, hopefully your blood pressure isn't out of range for starters. Well, I'd say first thing is most anabolics don't actually have a direct action on the kidneys with the exception of Trembolone. Trembolone's been shown to have a direct impact on kidneys. Wasn't there some study in rats about Anivar? Victoria mentioned that one time. There is is a little bit of stuff. Uh, Predominantly kidney issues are evolving around unregulated blood pressure, unregulated blood thickness and more those sort of things. So it's secondary effects of anabolics that cause a secondary effect on the kidneys rather than the drug itself being directly toxic to the kidneys. Um, there is a little bit of anivar in, 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 in lab rats, yes. I don't know if there's any real-world crossover to humans on that. I don't think it's ever been particularly looked at. Um, creatinine has no impact on the kidneys. So... I think what's getting confused here is a regular kidney check is based on creatinine levels. Creatinine is a very sensitive marker and it will elevate with exercise. It will elevate with dehydration. It will elevate with protein intake and it will elevate with creatine intake. Creatine is not going to have a huge influence on it, but it will have some. So as a result, when you have a high creatinine reading, that is then used in a quite complex calculation, which includes your sex, uh, to create the EGFR number, which is your estimated glomerate filtration rate. High creatinine, low EGFR. That's where it is. Um, so as a result, there's this law almost that high protein or high creatinine, high creatine diets will cause kidney dysfunction. And it's not true. It's just that it affects the creatinine reading, right. which therefore then affects the EGFR reading. If you want an unbiased kidney function test that isn't affected by protein, creatine, hydration, etc., then you do the cystatin C test. Ideally, you'll do both and, and use a... a conglomeration of both results as you're reading um generally speaking people who exercise will normally have a creatinine reading of up to about 120 if it starts going above that then i would start to ask for retests and secondary questioning um, but also when you do lab work, do ensure that you haven't just done a workout four hours before, make sure you're well hydrated and make sure you've had a couple of days rested and yeah. then you will get less of an adulteration of the results. About but no, two, create, 48 hours off training? No, even longer. If you want four days, it will yeah. affect up to four days. Okay. So, but creatine itself, no, it doesn't affect the kidneys and actually does not quite work in synergy with anabolics, but you will find that your body consumes more creatine 
when on anabolics than when you're off. Yeah. So supplementing with creatine when you're on anabolics is is a positive rather than a negative. I remember there was a source years back because there was there was this research showing that Anifar specifically increases your ability to utilize creatine. And he was making creatine caps or excuse me, Anifar capsules with creatine in them. This little marketing ploy. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I think all labs at some point have come out with their little spin on whatever. Yeah. You know, so you've had stuff like D-Ball and Oxy mixed tabs and anything, and there's no real science behind it. It just sounds good on paper. Yeah. All right. Um, let's see. What else do we have here? I'm going to look at the Instagram questions I have. Yeah, how about this one, Dave? But does taking Tutka on cycle negatively affect oral uses usage at all? Meaning, would it interfere with your ability to utilize the orals? No. So orals obviously go into the bloodstream via the stomach, through the intestines. They circulate the bloodstream, and that's where the compound is then taken into cells and antigen receptors. As part of circulation through the bloodstream, they go through the liver. The liver tries to break them down, tries to metabolize them. They are 17 alkylated, which helps them withstand this breakdown by the liver so they can stay active in the system for longer. And it's that withstanding breakdown by the liver that causes the liver to get stressed yeah. and liver enzymes to elevate. TUDC is taken because it helps lower liver enzymes. There is now TUDCA um, or its equivalent UDCA is used medically to help the treatment of fatty liver disease and liver issues from alcoholism. Uh, it's very commonly prescribed for that. Um, I'm not 100% on how much TUDCA supports the liver or how much it just lowers enzyme production. And so there is a difference there, and I don't know. And, I mean, I still recommend using TUDCA when people are on orals and such like. But I don't know. Are we just sort of covering this with a Band-Aid, hmm. or is it actually having a positive impact on liver health, or is it just restricting the liver's body to produce enzymes when it's stressed? And I, I honestly don't know the answer there. That would be a question for Clever Scott. All right. How about the best timing for orals pre-workout to maximize strength and performance? I think that's individual, but I've always seen roughly somewhere between 30 minutes and, and 60 minutes. Um, I take them on an empty stomach or take them with um, dietary fats. So you could take it with, say, some cod liver oil tablets or something of that nature. Um, orals bind with fat. So if you're taking them with the fat that's going to be absorbed, you're not, you shouldn't have any absorption issues. If you take them with food that's got non-dietary fats, then the oral combined with the non-dietary fats and, and it can pass through. Or you can just take them on a straight empty stomach, um, which is fine. Yeah, I'd say personally, my experience, I would use them an hour before. And I felt I felt like that was good. That said, I mean, come on, if it's 30 minutes, if it's an hour, if it's two hours, 
You know, I, well, I, I, think, that, I think the only thing you may risk as far as getting a boost from it is too soon or too close to your workout. You know what I mean? Not having enough time. But if you got it two hours in, I don't think that's going to be much different than an hour and a half or an hour. But now an hour versus 20 minutes, I see a big difference there. Well, I mean, the other thing is, is when do you want it to kick in in the workout? Because you've also got to remember that most workouts are an hour to an hour and a half long. So say you took it 30 minutes before and it was a little bit soon, you'll find it coming into the back end of the workout. But that might be ideal for you because that's when you lag and want to pick me up. Nah, I wouldn't. My thought, and I know you're trying to come up with a reason here. I would say that if it's, let's say it's a fast acting compound like D-ball. And let's say that you, your half-life for you is four hours. I mean, once you get it in your system, you've got four hours. So... I just get it in there, you know. Yeah. Also, can I get you that. use can you use orals rectally, Dave? That was a personal question for me. You can actually, yes. Yeah, you probably could, couldn't you? That probably yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. not rec- we're not recommending that on the show though. Yeah. All right. What else do we have here? I've told you he's got problems. Scott has problems. Okay, I'm just running with it now. We I'm don't. We it. don't normally cover this because of YouTube censorship, but Scott has <laughs> a lot of issues. And now you guys are seeing them all. Um, and I, I really think we should start a GoFundMe page for Scott to get help. <laughs> About uh, a couple more here. Um, how would you dose a test, mast, and var cycle? It's his fourth cycle. He's 220 pounds. He's 6'4". Man, that's a hard one to, you know what I mean? What was your first two cycles? That would be the first question I would ask him, right? All of it. All of it. You know what I mean, though? Like, what's your experience been like? So he says this is his fourth cycle. It's test, mass, and var. What if he tells us, oh, mate, I just did 200 tests for my first cycles. You know, it's like, that's different than if he was yeah, like, oh, I, I took mean, a gram and a half. The, the, the first thing is, I think you would need to be slightly progressive um, or at least equal in dosage, total anabolics to your previous cycle. Um, I honestly think, and there may be people that, that for most people, pushing over a gram 1.2, if they're a casual trainer and user, you really if everything else is equal, you really don't need to go much above that. If you're competitive, yeah, things can get a little bit higher. Or if you're pushing genetic boundaries, then things can get a lot higher. But, I mean, I, for most people with decent training, and I think that's where the problem lies, is a lot of us look for progression through drugs rather than progression through working on the basics. I know we harp on about this all the time. But the single biggest tool in in your harm reduction box is, apart from cardio, is going to be effective training and effective diet because the better they are, the less drugs you need. Yeah. Alfonso's got some high calcium numbers. Alfonso, are you with us right now? And are you taking vitamin K along with your vitamin D? That would be my question to him. He says, uh, just got my blood back, my high calcium, high liver numbers. Doctor wants me to recheck it. She, a.k.a. my wife, knows that I'm on 200 milligrams of test, 200 milligrams a week. 
mean, I'm assuming he means test. I think it could be from the vitamin D, magnesium, and zinc supplements. Any thoughts? Could be, but calcium is a very volatile reading as well. It's very sensitive sample, and it can bounce all over the bloody place. Yeah. Alfonso, you're going to require your surfaces to get our YouTube channel back. Yes, he should be doing it for free, really. Gamboni Law. Well, he'll want to because, you know, he likes our show. So he, that way yeah. he can keep, if you want to watch, keep watching our show, Alfonso. Then you got to give us your services absolutely free of charge. <laughs> some, well, some people may like the Rumble version because it's less censored and we can do stuff. We did hear that about blood, sweat, and gear. This really does feel like the old days in a way. You know what I mean? <laughs> Say what the fuck we want. Hey! Yeah. So I was going to talk about the, um, the uh, uh, what do they call it, the enhanced games. But we can we can bring that up another time. Though there is getting to be some excitement about it. And I, I did grab a quote from uh, one of the co-owners, the guy from, the guy one of the, the co-founders of PayPal. Or he's, he's one of the, so not co-owners, one of the co-owners of PayPal and co-founders. And he's one of the yeah. biggest contributors. Um, I like this quote. He says, as you've seen artificial intelligence in the last year and a half, what was once sci-fi is now reality. And human beings will accelerate. And the greatest limitation to our acceleration is our weak biological form. The enhanced games will be the first stop in this journey of humanism where we can overcome our biology and become something greater. Yeah, me and Broder spoke about this, um, about the evolution of physiques and uh, <clears throat> about gene doping in sports and, and gene manipulation in sports. And and I think it, it's... You could argue whether it's progression or not, but I think it's an inevitable route we will go down at some point. And obviously... The Enhanced Games has been talked about for a number of years. Um, and it was, I remember it being proposed on a talk show I was on probably five, six years ago. Really? Uh, and there were UK doctors. Uh, UK anti doping was there. They're dicks anyway. We don't talk about them pricks. And the far, they're a pain in the ass. They're thick as fuck as well. Um, I, I don't mind anyone arguing about not having drugs in sport, but at least argue from a point of view of some friggin' intelligence about the subject. Jesus Christ. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I see enhanced sports being viable. The appetite around enhancement has definitely changed massively over the last five, ten years. Public perception is much more tolerable. But then I think we could, in time, see some element of cybergenic robotic advancement going into sports as well and i don't see why not fuck it let's have a let's have a robot arm wrestling you know or something let's that's why not i mean what if we find out dave that all the numbers of the top athletes are pretty much the same what if we find that out that they're pretty much on par because i think the average person who's watching say the olympics they're probably thinking like oh these guys are you know they're all honest these guys these are the people who've been highly scrutinized and tested and they have morals and values and they would never use any type of doping you know what if we find out that these guys are pretty much on par with I, the regular I olympics actually, i actually think 
that there will be a big pushback from the regular Olympics because they will be very fearful of that. That'd be pretty crazy. But, but then the other argument is that if the regular Olympics have the cream of the genetic pool, then you could argue that those athletes, because they are so genetically gifted, that their performance will be equal to a lesser gifted individual who is enhanced. So I was wondering that, but now the one of the big announcements here is that, and they didn't name the name, but they did say that a top Australian Olympian that everybody would know, household name in Australia, has agreed that they want to take part. Yeah, I mean, I must admit, I'd like to shove some gear in Usain Bolt and see how fast that fucker really could run. <laughs> but, all right, okay, so I've got another question. Yeah. Now, this... So if we're going to have enhanced games, does that mean we can use anything to stimulate the performance of the individual? I'm going to say, yeah, I think all uh, right. it's kind of like our show being not on YouTube. Like we can do whatever we want now. Right. Right. So then in that case, my runner is going to have a rabid dog at the back of him. A rabid dog chasing him? Because that fucker's is going to run faster than any twine. He realizes his life's in danger. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point, man. That's a good point. So for anybody who's just tuning in, uh, maybe they just found our video. This is the first time they watched it. And by the way, for our audio people who have been listening to us talk about all this stuff with YouTube, I apologize and appreciate you guys because you guys have always been the foundation of our shows. But for anybody who is new, we have a little segment at the end of the show that we call Uncle Dave's Advice where we turn to our Uncle Dave from over in the UK and we ask him for his wisdom. Dave, what kind of wisdom do you have for us today? I don't have any. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do. Don't shove melanotan up your ass. That's, that's my wisdom for today. That's some good advice. I'm glad you cleared that up, man, because I had that whole um, vial upstairs. Who knows what oh, would happen after the show? Jesus Christ. You need <laughs> the list you need help for is getting longer by the week. Uh, Uncle Dave advice. Uncle Dave advice. You are supposed to prepare these. Like, brush your teeth every I, night. You're supposed I, to, you know, I'm brush your teeth every night. Don't go to bed to angry. You know, Look, let's not talk about brushing your teeth. I had dentist this week. It was an unpleasant experience. Oh, man. Wow. Okay, we won't talk about it then. <laughs> Dave's days and off, guys. We just took him down to a dark place, dark road, at the dentist office. Um, yeah, don't go to bed angry. Um, a, a hard day's work is, you know, worth it. Away. I thought you, we were you, done. You were that you were that quick to get packed away and and, and cast me aside. I my internet well, went out. I don't know what happened. I need to pee. That's what's wrong. I do too. Right, okay. I do too. If you had prepared right. advice for us, we would have already been done, Dave. Well, if you paid for your internet and stopped robbing it off your neighbor, we'd already be done as well. You better change passwords again on Yannick. There's a lot of snow, and sometimes the, the line that I ran from his yard to mine, it gets it gets knocked down. I had to run outside and plug it back in to his house, and we're all set. Good. All right. All right. So we're back, Dave. Uh, <coughs> advice for the people. They, they, they come to you. A lot of them watch this show just because they – they like to hear your advice, and these things are very important to them, Dave. I, I'm i going to give some monetary advice, actually. 
Okay. I, I could probably use that myself right now. So I, I obviously a lot of us start off in life. We get our first job. We get our first wage. And our lifestyle is focused around that financial number. And then we get more income. And our, our, our lifestyle increases to that number. And, and this tends to be progressive. So the more we earn, the more we spend. And, and as a result, we never actually really reap the benefits of the financial increases that we achieve because we tend to spend them on non-essential shit that we don't really need. Yeah. Um, so my advice is quite simple. Whenever, as soon as you can, get into the habit of doing a percentage portion of your wage into savings of any description. It can be a mattress under the bed. It can be a box in the wall. It can be a bank account. It can be an investment account. It doesn't really matter. And then when you get extra finances, and it might be that, you know what, I helped my neighbor build a fence and he gave me a couple of hundred for it. Yeah. Well, you wouldn't have had that. So stick it in the savings. Because yep. it doesn't change your financial position at all. You know, or, and if you get a wage increase, then you can you can be extreme and say, right, well, all my increase is going into savings or like 20%, 30%, 40%. But get into that habit of when you get income, not looking at that income as disposable and looking at a portion of that income as almost debt or almost bill. Yeah. And get it away into a savings plan. It seems when you're younger, a little bit extreme. But trust me, when you start getting the wrong side of 45 and 50, that savings plan becomes early retirement. That saving plans becomes, I can pay my house off, I can pay my mortgage off, I can pay my car off, and I can be debt-free five years or 10 years earlier than I would otherwise have been. And because you've never actually use that money you've never taken that money as leisure money or, or you've spent that money you've never missed it yep i'm with because you 100 percent on that once you spend it it's very difficult to go back because you feel like you're taking something away yeah but if you never spend it you never see the benefit of it in your lifestyle you never miss it and then when you are and trust me when you're 25, 50 seems a lifetime away. It seems old. It seems ancient. You'll get there much quicker than you realize, and you'll suddenly realize at 50, you know what? I'm still 25 in my head, and I've still got a lot of life to live, but I'm not in a financial position to do it because I need to work for the next 15 years because I never prepared for this when I was younger. That's great advice, Dave. I, I hope that everybody will listen to that. I, I would say save as much as possible. I think Dusty said that he was teaching his girls to live off of, I think it was 70% of the money they made. Something like, something you like can, that. You can do it on a percentage or you could do it at a, say, a cap rate where, you know, I don't know cost of living in the state. So these numbers might be way out there. It varies. Say, it varies depending yeah, on where you live. Let's say 20000 a year is what it actually costs me to live. Yeah, okay. And then I'll add 5000 onto that for whatever. Everything else is going in savings. And even if my salary is a 
100,000 a year, I'm still only spending 25. Now, that's an extreme example, but it's amazing how quickly you can put money away if you are disciplined and it doesn't necessarily have to be a long period of time. Yeah. You know, you can live frugally without being a cheap ass. Just, I think probably the biggest expenses we go into are cars and homes. Uh, and if you're set, I mean, you could be like Scott and just buy something that's not really a car. Um, <laughs> um, my car's paid like off, a- by the way, which is nice. You know, that's one <laughs> less bill I have to deal with. And, and I'll tell you what, man, there's that temptation to get a new one. Uh, to get a new one. There is. There's a temptation yeah. to get a new one. And and at the end of the day though, I don't drive a lot. I don't need a new car. It would it would really be wasteful. Uh I I, I have low mileage every week, you know, and my car is paid for, it works great. Knock on wood, it's in good shape. I just had some stuff done to it to make sure it stays up to par. Um, but there's that that urge to think like, ooh, mm-hmm. wouldn't it be nice to get something with a new backup camera and the heated steering wheel, you know, all that stuff. I- but I could the, just the save that is, money instead for the next it, eight the, years, hopefully. The, the thing is, as well, as soon as you pay it off, the temptation <laughs> to get back into debt is yeah. huge. Yeah, it really is. Like, I, paid it off now. I can go get a new one. Yeah. Why? I mean, I've done the same with my car. My car's actually paid off next month. Okay. <clears throat> and and it's like, oh, I could get, why? I don't need it. I don't, to be honest, that car should do me till I die. Hmm. I don't need another car. Yeah. And and so I'm not getting one. It's as simple as that. Uh, I, I think when you, obviously when you're younger, image and all that stuff does mean a lot more to you and being in the right car and all the rest of it. As you get older, you start to realize that's not really necessary. And to be honest, if you are of that ilk where cars are important to you and I'm a big car nut, then I would rather stick to a frugal, sensible, cheap, paid-off daily driver and then buy something as a toy. Then try and create a daily driver that fulfills both roles because it never will. All right. You know, if you if you have a performance car for a daily driver, then you're paying a fortune to travel everywhere you go. Oh yeah. While if you have a cheap economy car for a daily driver, you can have a thousand horsepower monster in the garage for the weekend if you want, because you're not having to run it every sodding day. Yeah, you're getting a little bit off track here now because now we're talking about like buying luxury sports cars. <laughs> no, my, my, my I, get point, your, I get your point, though. I, I really do. Is, I do. Make sure your essentials are frugal and cost effective, and then you'll have money for the nicer things in life when you're ready for it or a very early retirement, which will then allow you to spend the latter 20 years of your life actually enjoying it and not working it. Yeah, I think it's great advice. Guys, thank you for tuning in. We appreciate you as always. Um, of course, go to our awesome sponsors, truenutrition.com and use our code THINK. As I've said, let me know if you have any questions about any of their products or flavors, any of their supplements. And go to see Dave at evalbloodanalysis.com. Get your lab work done by him and get an analysis on your labs too. Uh, Strong Sports Nutrition for you guys in the UK, great health and performance stacks. And of course, supplementsource.ca for Canadians. Hey guys, over at Patreon. Leave me a bunch of questions. I've got that thread, the question thread pinned at the top. We're going to need some questions for this next episode. And you guys on Rumble, why don't you guys start commenting with some questions for the next show too? Guys, we appreciate everybody tuning in for another episode of Drugs and Stuff with Dave Crossland. We'll see you soon. Thanks, Dave.